Welcome to the fifth episode of the Better With Brock podcast. I have my, well, actually old client, um, but uh, physiotherapist, um, Butch Redoblado in the building. How are you doing this morning, man? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Brock. Um, first uh, ever podcast recording. So a little bit sort of, uh, I guess, nervous, but no, quite keen uh, more than anything, man, to get into it. So thanks for, um, for the invite, bro. Looking forward to it. Mate, what an honor to have you on my podcast for the first podcast. Hopefully, this is uh, one of many to come. Um, so, so we were just talking uh, off air before, just uh, just before this. Um, Butch actually spent a bit of time in Christchurch. I actually played touch with his brother, um, versed him in rugby. Um, so we might have a little bit in common that way. Uh, hooked into Christchurch, um, but what did you go into Christchurch for? Because I've well. Sorry, to give you guys a bit of background, Butch is now in Brisbane, um, and I've done the same thing too, jumped over the Tasman to, to Sydney. Originally, first went to Gold Coast, but what made you make the jump? Because so many people from New Zealand end up coming to Australia. Yeah, well, um, it was actually my mum first, bro. So um, after the 2011 earthquakes, which we were there still during, yep. Yeah, I was at high um, school. Yeah, yeah. So the 2011 earthquakes um, sort of started that cascade of um, moving over to Aussie. So mum didn't quite like the feeling of an, of an aftershock. So she thought, I'm just going to go and find, um, you know, sort of um, uh, another area uh, to sort of um, reside in. And um, yeah, she got a job offer in Brizzy. Um, just a bit of background, mum and dad are both GPs. So mum was able to um, get a job there and then, yeah, just slowly one of us, you know, one by one, we all moved over um, and culminating in myself, actually, I was the last one to um, jump um, the ship and go over to, to Aussie. Um, and that was in 2016. So, yeah, mm. but I do miss Christchurch, um, as I'm sure, you know, part of you does in a way. But yeah, yeah. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, I think Christchurch is an amazing place to grow up. I mm. think after the earthquakes, it was definitely different. Like it was yeah. such a different vibe. It was like a ghost town. And even definitely, I took my fiance back this year. Like we found a couple of weeks in lockdowns where there was no quarantine or anything. And we went over for my brother's birthday and it was still yeah. very similar. Like years later, like I left mm. probably uh, maybe a bit later after you, uh, mm. after 2016, but there's still, like the CBD is very empty. It's very low to the ground because a lot of buildings fell over and they're you know, mm. doing construction, but it's, it's, it's still taking quite a while. So I'm actually quite glad that I made the jump. Like obviously I miss the people and, mm. and that's probably the biggest thing that I miss about Christchurch is the people. I definitely don't miss the weather. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, look, um, yeah, look, I think opportunity wise, you know, it, it, it's obviously, um, done you good. And, and same with myself, man, I do, I do wish I moved, um, sooner but yeah mm. like you i went back in june as well for um for a break um i don't know just got that you know that awesome um vibe of, of being i guess home again you know so um yeah but yeah no good memories anyway yeah so mm. do you um do you think having your parents as a gp as as gps influenced your decision to get into physiotherapy and kind of helping people in some way <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, and they weren't, they weren't, uh, I guess, um, you know, aggressively like, oh, no, I want you to be a doctor. Um, but, you know, growing up, I, I was inspired by um, 
my mum and dad, you know, um, and, and, you know, like I remember, I've got vivid memories of dad coming home from work and he's got his stethoscope around his neck and you just knew that, you know, you know here's a man that went in there and just, you know, just helped people. Um, so, yeah, I sort of thought I want to do something like that. Um, but they were, they were never like, oh, I want you to be a doctor, you know. Um, but, yes, I did draw inspiration from them 100%. Yeah, and I think that type of parenting style, if it is a style doesn't really work if you kind of push things on like one thing i'm super grateful for is my dad supporting all my decisions yeah first of all i wanted to do music because yeah my dad ended up teaching me guitar so i was like yeah i want to do music and then i was playing and then i told dad i wanted to study at jazz school i studied at cpit jazz yeah nice and and he was like you know my biggest fan helping me out as a kid Mm you know, learning how to play together, sing together. And then when I was like, yeah, I, I don't really want to do music. I think I want to do personal training. My dad was like, that's awesome. You know, he wasn't like, yeah, oh, nice. no, you should do music. That's, you know, that's where you should go just because he wanted to do it. And I think Correct. that, yeah, I, I, I think that support really actually helps you kind of believe in yourself or absolutely helps you guide yourself to your own decision. Um, mm. so, so what does your day look like as a physiotherapist? Like, what are you dealing with? day to day like we kind of touched on off air you're kind of kind of at the practice but also not like what does your day look like yeah yeah so look I um, I'm a one-man show um, I own the legs physio um, I'm in a medical center um, and um, so my rooms being in the medical center I am predominantly in the clinic doing uh, treatment um, I'm a very hands-on type of physio because I do believe in the fundamentals um, of physiotherapy being a very hands-on um, sort of um, profession. So I'm always in the clinic. Um, and if I'm not, um, I'm doing admin um, either in the clinic again or like at a cafe or something like that. Um, but my day is um, split between treating clients in the, in the clinic and every now and then I will go out to do gym rehabs with, um, with patients um, because uh, I'm a massive advocate for um, for rehabilitation in the gym setting. I think it's the best way to sort of um, regain um, function that's been lost um, through injury or um, trying to be um, built up, you know, post-surgical, um, for example. So um, I'll be there for like, you know, a good maybe 30% of, um, of my week. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably, yeah, the generic split, 70 to 30, 70% in the clinic, 30% um, gym rehab. And also, you know, every now and then I'll do the occasional home visit to a client's house if they can't for whatever reason in the clinic. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so, so important what you said around people actually say dealing with an injury or dealing with discomfort and actually training through it. So mm. many people will get injured or say hurt their lower back, hurt their knee, hurt their shoulder, hurt their elbow, you know, whatever they're experiencing and just go, I'm going to take two weeks off to make it mm. get better, which I guess, you know, having rest can help, but also like you need to strengthen areas around the injury um, mm. because you can train around things, you know, you don't have to train through it, which is, mm-hmm. I think, you know, a very kind of different way to think if you can train, because if something hurts, just don't keep doing it. You, but there is some sort of element of pain as well that you kind Correct. of need to strengthen things up. But what are the most common injuries that you are dealing with? Um, yeah, so in the, um, in the gym-based um, setting, um, this is quite a, like, I guess a broad, a broad question, but I want to yeah. categorize it into um, two main types of um, injuries there, Brock. So you've got your acute 
um, injuries and your overuse. Your acute injuries are obviously that sort of one instance um, or one um, episode of, a, of an overload. Um, and then you feel um, an injury and usually a patient comes in, in here and they'll tell me, oh, I, I remember I was exactly uh, doing a whatever, you know, a deadlift or a squat. Uh, and I felt my back go, that kind of thing. Um, and then you've got your overuse injuries, which is they're the ones that you know um, I probably see more commonly um, in the gym-based setting. Um, they're like a, an addition of micro uh, strain or micro tearing um, where the body doesn't quite heal enough and then you just do it again and it's just repetition of that micro strain over a period of time. And then we get into this, um, and then all of a sudden you pass um, this threshold in the y-axis um, of, of um, when is too much and when does the body start to produce pain. Um, and over time, you pass that threshold and all of a sudden you realise, oh, I'm a little bit sore. So you got your acute and overuse. Um, for the acute, the biggest one definitely is low back pain. Um, and it is um, pertaining to... Um, uh, you know, the heavier we go, you know, we have to, and you know, this as well, man, like we have to keep our spine, you know, um, relatively neutral, you know, especially if we're doing things like, you know, your deads and your squats. Um, and um, yeah, so if, um, if that doesn't, you know, quite happen uh, um, correctly, then we, we get into um, that um, situation of low back pain. And that's usually from things like a, a bulging disc or a, um, uh, a herniated disc in really severe cases where it pinches on the nerve and you get things like sciatica. Um, but also, um, you know, um, when that kind of happens, it could also be um, uh, ligaments being, you know, um, torn from um, from that really heavy load in that, that position sort of thing. Um, mm. But, yeah, so bulging disc is definitely a, very, a really common one that I, um, I treat, you know, um, from an acute overload perspective. So, um, so with those acute situations, especially with lower back, and I can speak from experience, I've been in a place where I've needed a physio's mm, help. Mm, like, what's your first steps? And I know it may, it may differ between what's sitting in front of you, but like with lower back pain, mm, like, yeah, what's your first steps of actually getting better and starting to improve? Because it's so discouraging because your lower back is such a center for everything that you do. You bend down to pick something up, it hurts. Mm, you try to stand mm, up from sitting down it hurts you go to the bathroom mm -hmm. it hurts you know like you yeah. you open the fridge to reach down for some milk and it hurts how do you yes. how do you get people on the path to recovery yeah um like you said it does sort of vary depending on um you know what i see in the clinic and um you know the the mechanism of injury um because you know you've got to obviously formally diagnose but from um I'll talk from a, you know, what's most common, which is a bulging disc um, situation. Um, you know, I, I actually don't um, uh, advocate for, you know, um, long periods of rest. Um, yeah. So I would say try keep moving to, uh, to, to some degree, um, even if it means, you know, you just go for like a 15-minute walk, you know, because I think the blood flow that you achieve doing that helps with um with promoting healing if we just stay stagnant you know um you're not really doing that as efficiently um i understand sometimes it's very severe um and if you know even a walk is too much for patients i'll be like well if you're in a in a you know supine or lying down position why not um you know um 
pump your ankles up and down or even just slightly bend your knees up and down or swing your arms just you know produce some sort of movement to get a bit of blood flow um and then um yeah then i try to teach um ways that they can go about and doing their daily functions um safely for their back um and so say they did for example like do their knee um in the gym then you know going down to pick something up can be really sore so i'll say well why not you know sort of squat where you really bend the knee into flexion how about hip hinge and do like more of a deadlift um to go and do that which is you know a similar sort of um um, movement it's just you know um one's utilizing the knee the other one's utilizing the hip um so trying to you know um or if for example going down into that deep flexion really aggravates like a, a herniated disc um, if they go down and more in a split squat, um, you know, position, um, cause usually with a herniated disc menu, you get it more on one side. So, um, so for the side, say, say if it's my right side, then I'll, I'll go, okay, we'll go down into a split squat position or a lunge position, position to pick something up and have your right side, um, um, as your back leg. So it's straighter and not going into that flexion. Um, you know, things like that. So just giving them tips on how to, to go about their daily life without having to, because I think if you, if you then get into that kind of pain avoidance, um, behavior, that actually becomes negative. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of like, uh, avoidance of, you know, social situations like catching up with friends and all that or family just because you know they're worried their back's going to go again and i want to just you know my philosophy is a physio i want to just nail that like no you can still do that here's how i want you to achieve it so and so yeah and i think that's very important what you're saying like you have to as i kind of touched on before you have to really manage that pain and not avoid it because yeah you you if you avoid something then you're less confident and then that can pour into other areas of your life how do you manage 100%. that? How do you manage that threshold and ultimately tell someone it needs to hurt for you to get better because no one wants to hear that because they're just like, you know, like, you know, hurt their back or throwing it out. They're like, well, I just want to yeah. get better. So how do you manage that threshold? Cause I, you know, I like, that must be quite difficult to say to someone, Hey, this Absolutely, is going to hurt, man. but it's good for you. <laughs> like, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, that's, that's it. Good. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's really funny because a lot of my patients will give me a lot of um, of crap for that because they always say, look, you know, the old uh, no pain, no gain, you know, just just go and do it, um, which I actually hate as a saying. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, there, there is, yeah, but there is a bit of um, of truth in that, you know, um, you, you sort of just have to figure out when is it becoming excessive and unhealthy for the for the client or the patient, you know, um, if they're avoiding things that they should be doing, you know. Um, then um then that's not good you know if if they've had to take time off work you know um oh no because you know sitting down really aggravates my back well how about have a chat to hr and get a stand-up desk you know um just trying to like and and it is trial and error you know that you have to sort of uh you i'll give my advice uh you know like that we'll, we'll do that picking up situation again you know get into a split squat rather than you know um reaching forward you know and if they tell me second time oh no that doesn't quite work then you know um i'll alter it i'll tell them okay well instead you know um do this and that um but it is yeah managing that threshold as you you've asked is trial and error and it just depends on um i'll give my generic advice of keep moving um and based on what they're presented with i'll be like okay well this is how i want you to do things um this is how i want you to pick something up and Mm. if that doesn't work we'll um 
I'll make them do a couple of um, movements in the clinic to try and, you know, see, okay, well, let's, this is how we'll do it um, instead. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think it's very important, you know, like you're touching on, to give people solutions. Mm-hmm. Like, what, you, you, you know, which is what you're doing because, you know, like, so when I threw out my back, I was squatting and it was like 9 p.m. I was mm-hmm. underslept. I'd just done a huge, so I was face-to-face personal training at the time. I'd done a huge day, like somewhere around 14 clients. It was just massive. I started at 6 a.m. and I hadn't mm-hmm. finished my program. I was so mm-hmm. frustrated. Like I just had like three sets of squats to do. And I was like, mm. okay, I'm just going to do them. I was tired and I probably just should have went home, but I was like, all right, I'll get mm. under the barbell. And I, and I loaded up and I was squatting 120, which was still a pretty decent amount of weight, like a pretty good weight, but like it wasn't really near my top. But when I went down, something went on one side, like yeah. you touched on and I, and I couldn't stand up. So I couldn't actually mm-hmm, mm-hmm. straighten my spine. Like I was so sore. So I actually just lay down on the ground for like five minutes and no one was in the gym. It was quite actually, it was actually quite dangerous. Mm. Like there was no one around. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh yeah. man, this does not feel good. So I actually had to walk yeah, yeah. hunched over and I had yeah, to like keep yeah. my spine flexed. I called an Uber yeah. and I was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm just going to have to lie down in the back. Like, <laughs> just forgive mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like I'll take the fine if I'm not wearing a seatbelt. And, and I just lay there and I got home. And then I just, yeah. when I got out, I still had to stay flexed. And I kind of like crawled up the stairs. Like it was really bad. Uh, and I yeah, got into right. bed. I, w- I went I, to sleep. Yeah. I woke up and I couldn't stand up. So I called my clients the next yeah. day. And, and I actually I, didn't know what to do. I really was mm-hmm. like struggling for things to do. And mm-hmm, I actually mm-hmm. had to get an ambulance come over the next morning and mm-hmm. kind of do some stuff. And then this kind of annoyed me. They're like, oh, you'll be fine. And I was like, man, I can't stand up. Like, I'm not just going to be fine. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, just lay on your back and, you know, put your legs side to side. And that really frustrated me because I didn't feel better. And luckily I had a client mm-hmm. that was helping, like, ha- like they didn't give me anything for the pain. And it was like excruciating. I actually tried to stand up mm-hmm. at home and I blacked mm-hmm. out because of the pain. And that's the first time I've, I've mm-hmm. ever blacked out. And I was living on my own yeah. at the time. So this was like pretty scary stuff. I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. okay. you know, like, I really need to sort this out. But because I was a personal trainer, I did have a physio nearby and they really, really saved me. Apparently it was like a muscle spasm. Yeah. And I know a lot of physios yeah. have, you know, a lot of different opinions around, you know, around the experience. Mm-hmm. But I did some mm-hmm. dry needling. Um, yeah. And then I also just had to change the way that I was training because I did it in squats. Mm-hmm. And one thing mm-hmm. I'd like to get to is as you touched on things like split squats and mm-hmm. doing things differently, like everyone thinks to get a good set of legs, you have to do squats or you have to do deadlifts, mm-hmm. but it's just not the case. Yeah. Like if you can't back squat or for some reason mm-hmm. your body cannot perform a squat with good technique at the moment there's a ton of options you Mm -hmm. can do a split squat you can do a bulgarian split squat you can do step ups you can do a a lunge like you can do front foot elevated split squats rear foot elevated like there's so many options so what do you um what kind of exercises do you give people if they can't and i know you're not like a personal trainer where you're you know writing out workout programs but what sort of things are you giving people if they hurt their 
lower back in a squat or in a deadlift? Like, what are you prescribing? Yep, yep, yep. So, um, if, um, for example, we'll use that 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 bulging disc um, situation, which occurs when um, there's excessive load, um, and then it, it just you know forces the um, the spine into um, a little bit of flexion or too sorry too much flexion, and then you get that that disc popping, you know, posteriorly or backwards. Yeah. So, um, so spinal flexion for most people, just in case they don't really understand what that is, that's just rounding of the lower back, right? Just so that, correct. so we're on the same page. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, Continue. absolutely. Yeah. So rounding of the lower back and then, um, you know, it, the disc will go backwards. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, simple logic will tell us that we have to, uh, do the opposite to try and push it back into, um, to position so um there's a um a physio actually new zealand based called mckenzie um and he did like um a lot of research um on um the 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 disc mechanics and all that um and he recommends actually getting into an an extension position um and sustaining it so for example you know your story of um uh doing it in a squat say if that was a bulging disc um situation um I would try and get you to lie on your tummy and pop yourself up, you know, um, almost like in a, um, uh, you know, so you're lying on your belly and you're propped up on your elbows and you're only um, extending your upper back and just yeah. see if you can hold that for uh, for a couple of minutes or so. Um, and when that becomes, uh, you know, if that's tolerable, I'll get them to do sort of, I guess, half push-ups where they're lying face down and just arching that, you know, back up almost like a cat stretch. And yeah. doing that 10 times um and that's just you know the mechanics of that is it's pushing that disc back uh, forwards um and then for gym you know rehab exercise or oh, oh, sorry gym exercises um you'll you'll want to um just change it up so that, that they don't get into too much um loaded flexion you know so if their goals are still to like you said develop the, their legs you know um uh, I, I will probably say, okay, well, let's just not squat for X amount of time. And instead, you know, for your quads, let's, you know, let's do some knee extension. Um, you know, for hammies, we'll do, you know, your prone hamstring curls, more, maybe more machine-based. I'll recommend that. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, if they're seeing a personal trainer, I'd be like to speak to your PT about, you know, altering, you know, um, your programs so and you don't do too much um, uh, loaded flexion and just stick with, you know, maybe machine-based. Um, yeah, uh, I'm I, not sure I, if that answers your question, but no, 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 it does. But I think also, and this is the kind of jump, <laughs> kind of thought thought patterns. Now, sometimes the personal trainer could be the problem, and I mm. can only say this from experience as a personal trainer that there's many yeah. personal trainers that aren't getting their clients to follow a program or, yeah. or check in with them frequently, like myself and a few other personal trainers. <clears throat> Like we were the anomaly in our gym because we had programs. We were walking around with an iPad saying, how'd you yeah. go? How'd you go? How'd you go? But I'd see some of the other trainers, clients get to the gym without the client wondering what to do. Mm. And, and I think this is so wrong ultimately, <laughs> because I think it's our duty as personal trainers to look after the client, because if they're not following mm. a program that's structured, then things mm. that you were talking about before, like overuse injuries could potentially occur because people, when they get into the gym, ultimately just do what they want to do. 
So mm. say if I'm a dude and I'm into the gym and I see my trainer, we have a good workout, smashes me, whatever. But then when I go in, all I'm doing is chest, all I'm doing is mm. shoulders, all I'm doing is the beach muscles that I want to get developed. Mm. Then when I come back to the trainer and just do my random workout again, mm. like I'm not really making any progress. And potentially the personal trainer without knowing just because he's, he or she, sorry, is not providing a program or, um, you know, making sure their form's awesome, checking up mm. on, you know, on them frequently. Um, mm. and, and they're potentially just getting these overuse injuries. And I know a common one, especially for men, because we love to mm. train chest and shoulders mm. and triceps mm. and biceps, you know, we get a lot of overuse in elbows, but also in shoulders. Correct. What have you seen? Um, like, is that correct? Are, are, are you seeing similar things? Yeah. Yeah. Took the, took the words out of my mouth, man, but definitely, um, elbows. Um, and essentially because everything we do, even not everything, but most things we do in the gym, Hey, we, we grip a lot, don't we? So, um, so we, we're going to get a lot of overuse injuries, um, relating to the, just the gripping. And the biggest thing for that is, um, tendon problems, tendonitis or tendinopathies, um, which, uh, the big, yeah, I reckon, you know, the most common one is your tennis elbow or lateral epicondylalgia, um, or epicondylitis. Um, and that's, um, where all your wrist, um, sort of extensors converge on a tendon on your outer part of your, um, uh, elbow called the common extensor tendon. And that's when you, um, following the, the theory of overuse um, injuries it's just micro strain over time they don't have um, enough ability uh, sorry uh, they don't get given the time to heal before it's again another overload and then all of a sudden we get these um, um, uh, the, the, the strain gets a little too much now and then the pain generates mm. um, so yeah tennis elbows are a big one analogous to that you've got your rotator cuff uh, tendonitis and tendinopathies too um, the rotator cuff uh, um, obviously being the four uh, deepest layer of uh, shoulder musculature um, from our shoulder blade to uh, arm bone or humerus. Um, and the top one sort of around this area here is your supraspinatus, um, which is involved in everything we do basically overhead um, and even a little bit of um, forward pressing, but certainly overhead pressing that has to be, you know, in full action. So we can get overuse um, injuries relating to that too. So how can people not get these overuse injuries? And obviously you can say, well, just don't use it as much, but, mm -hmm. but, but what's a way that we can do that in a structured way? Yeah, absolutely. man. Um, I think, um, uh, uh, it's, it's in the program. It's in how we, um, how you, uh, appropriately, appropriately load the tendon, um, and you know, you give it the time that it needs to rest and recover as well. Um, and so it, it really comes to um, uh, how you load it and how you increase that load over a period of time. Um, and sometimes, you know, yeah, you won't know that you've overloaded it. You know, you could have every, uh, you know, right intention of doing it. And then, you know, you start to feel a little bit niggly um, afterwards. Uh, then, you know, you, you'll give that the time, you know, it needs to settle down and you'll know for next time, okay, instead of building it up by 5%, I might just drop it even lower, you know, depending on what your body can handle. But it is in, in um, how you load the tendon. Mm. That's where we prevent the, uh, the injuries. Yeah, I think that's, you, you, you know, what I was touching, 
touching on as well, such a responsibility that we have as personal trainers, because mm. you, you like, let's put the people that go to the gym on their own aside. Like, obviously, you know, they're going to have to figure out trial and error or follow programs or just kind of do whatever they want. But that kind of, you know, puts them in, in that position. But with personal, mm. with personal training, it's so important that you have a balanced program. And I wanted to ask you to see what your opinion was and you, mm. and you answered it greatly. But I also wanted to touch on the, the importance of having a, a balanced program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've done your program, you know, when we previously worked together. So you're probably analyzing it going, Oh, I don't know about this. Or, you know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's too much push this and there's not enough pull and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but I think the biggest problem is actually for men, you know, just to kind of dive into that is doing too many yeah. push exercises and not enough pull. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mm-hmm. allow us to recover enough. So like you're saying, we get these micro tears when we're training and our mm-hmm. muscles are, are micro tearing and then they repair. And then that's, essentially how they come bigger and stronger to put muscle building really simply. But if we're yeah. doing chest on Monday, chest on Wednesday, chest on Thursday, <laughs> chest on Friday, then there's these tears, <laughs> you know, potentially, yeah. you know, with, like, like in our elbows because they're continually getting used with a chest press, you know, with a yeah, tricep me. dip, with a dumbbell tricep extension, all this kind of overuse. Mm. It's so important mm. that you have that balanced program of, mm you know, having a push day or chest, shoulders, triceps, and then having a pull day, biceps, rows, and actually allowing your body to develop strength in both movement patterns, pushes and Mm. pulls. And then also with arms, you know, not just Mm. training all biceps because that is a lot of grip and training triceps Mm. as well. You know, like Mm. it's Mm. super important. And, you know, I I guess the same could be said for the legs. You know, Mm. a lot of dudes will just train quads because that's what you see in the mirror. You pull your shorts up and you see this, you know, the quad tear, um, Mm. uh, sorry, the tear drop. And you're like, oh yeah, that looks sick. I'm just going to sit on the leg extension and do 10 sets. That's it. Yeah. It's so important to train these opposing muscle groups. Is that something you encourage your clients to do? hundred percent. And you only have to look at the stats, man, for, um, for how common injuries occur, especially tendonitis or tendinopathies, man, you have way more, um, uh, like the, the prevalence, I guess, of, um, tennis elbow, um, which would be used more in your, um, your push, um, you know, uh, programs uh, or situations, um, the prevalence is higher than developing golfer's elbow, which is the opposite. Your golfer's elbow is uh, more um, the tendonitis related to to um, to flexion type of um, movements, which is you know typically uh, used more in your pull days. So yeah, um, having that balance it just avoids that that from developing 100%. Man, yeah. Um, also before we kind of, um, wrap this up, I, um, I've got a couple of questions left for you. Um, I did yeah. a Q and a, and one thing that I really wanted to dive into, someone asked some tips as you get older. Now I know that mm-hmm. that's super broad and you can't just say, Oh, as you get older, this is what you have to do as a physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. But as people age in the gym and not, you know, not necessarily, you know, they're heading into their nineties, but just people, you know, um, maybe reaching their peak and then kind of acknowledging, oh, I'm not recovering as well. Um, my body's kind of not feeling the same. I feel a bit more beat up. Um, like, what do you see happen in older populations and what do you often recommend them to do? Yeah, um, look, uh, biggest recommendation, um, like, you know, um, 
uh, I said when you do like a major acute episode of, of an injury, um, just just get moving again, you know. Um, mm. And and that's the biggest thing, you know. I, I really don't care what it is, you know, whether it's just going for a walk or going swimming, or if they want to go to the gym, I'll, I'll obviously push flex. I love the gym, um, but I I just I just think they just need to keep um, maintaining movement, um, and you know. It goes without saying, but you know, I'll say it anyway. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it, um, which is actually saying. true. Yeah, it actually is true because you will, you know, you, you got um, as we get older, unfortunately, um, we do things do happen like muscle wasting, you know, atrophy and, and that kind of stuff. You know, the bone density does decrease. Um, mm. um, and how do we combat that movement? It's, it's exactly what we got to do. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll just usually give that advice. Um, and if they go, if they've never exercised in their life and they're trying to get into it again, um, then I'll just give them, you know, very um, like a generic sort of like, okay, well, have a aim for three times a week. You know, what do you like to do? Oh, I can handle a bit of um, walking. Okay, let's go for a 30-minute walk three times a week and then just build it up from there. Mm. Um, but, yeah, just promoting promoting that movement, Brock. I think that's the, the key thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think as we get older as well, um, I think it's important to know that, actually maintaining muscle mass doesn't take as much effort as it does to build muscle mass. Mm -hmm. So when we build muscle mass and we get more advanced, like as a beginner, it's relatively easy because our body's not used to much stimulus. But as we yeah. go from intermediate to advanced and we train and we train and we train, muscle building is like so hard. Like I can tell you personally, after 14 years of training, I'm like, fighting for half a pound of muscle anyway mm. you know and mm. i'm and, and and i'm trying to increase my weights by 1.25 kg anyway like that's like as you become more advanced it's just harder and harder and harder and yeah but if i wanted to maintain my muscle mass i could probably get away with training two or three times per week just to maintain right. it and i think that's so important to know as you get older you don't have yeah. to train like arnold schwarzenegger did to become mr olympia yeah you literally yeah, just yeah. need to take your muscles through a range of motion, getting slightly close to failure, hitting kind of mm -hmm. every movement pattern, do a push, do mm -hmm. a pull, you know, horizontal push, vertical, yeah, pull, yeah. you know, yeah. vertical push, horizontal pull, yes. arms, some accessory work, hip dominant, yeah. knee dominant, yeah. knee, and then you're winning. Like it's not actually impossible, but this will do tons for the elderly population. Like as you were saying, we do get mm -hmm. muscle degradation, which is, yep. you know, can be called sarcopenia or, you know, atrophy, whatever it is. But mm. that, that kind of fragility would also rob them of confidence because I've seen that too with, with my, with my grandma, with my Nana, she, mm -hmm. she was always out in the garden. She was chopping wood and we were like, Nana, you can't do that, man. Like you can't be chopping wood. You can't be throwing around that ax yeah, you know, yeah. as you're approaching your nineties. But <laughs> <laughs> like she, she, she's super stubborn, old school style. She'll be out in the garden still doing it. But definitely, but yeah, that's like, that's super important to just like acknowledge that you, yeah, you don't have to be sweating and doing heavy barbell mm. back squats because that kind of scares, you know, the older mm. population. But you, and, and, and you do want them to be confident so that they can yeah. meet up with their friends, mm. you know, mm. coffee and all that, and just feel like, okay, you know, my knee's not going to give away while I'm walking. You know, like you said, oh, my mom, yeah. that's not going to give up because as you get older, you know, you need to see friends and there's other aspects of, 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 of life. But just having yes. a foundation of fitness can really help them. 
Yeah, and actually, that's definitely um, actually um, uh, learning that feedback just then, man. Like, I think I'll, I'll start using that in the clinic, just saying that you know what, you you it doesn't take much to maintain. You know, I think if I say that, that's more going to be uplifting and, and build confidence. Um, yeah. Um, and you know, if I may as well, bro, I want to like share a personal story. Um, um, and she'll, she's going to kill me for saying this, but um, I, lo- I love my mom and um, she's, she's had a love-hate relationship with exercise um, and I'm always up her back about exercising. Um, and she's finally, you know, this year joined the gym and awesome. um, did a lot of walking. And, you know, prior to that, man, she was complaining of everything like hip pain and, you know, there's a common thing that happens, unfortunately, more in ladies um, called plantar fasciitis, which is a tendon problem in the foot. And she was hard out complaining of that. And then, you know, she started exercising more this year and walking. And then all of a sudden that's that's gone. And she's a lot stronger with her grandkids and things like that. And, um, and you know, I'm, it's great. Like, I, I can finally see, you know, all the nagging that I've been doing, you know, coming to uh, to fruition. So, um, but, yeah, no, I'm going to definitely start using that um, that line, you know, just it doesn't take much to maintain. You know, just get out. Yeah, and you don't have to sweat, you know, and carry a, a massive, you know, um, weight to, um, to achieve um a better you know um uh i would say a better body but just better usage of our body i guess yeah yeah and also a higher mm. quality of life which seems Correct. to you know i guess uh what's the word um you know potentially decrease over time because your body's not doing what you want and maybe you're unable to mm. have as much freedom as you wanted to when you were younger but mm. just kind of empowering them to have that enjoyment in life and you know like um and making sure that their body is is actually helping them along with life, you know, as opposed to being Definitely. such an obstacle, which is very common, you know, as you get older. Yep. And and one thing we saw, uh, my fiance and I, when we moved over, so we recently moved house uh, this year, but in in Mossman over here, there's tons of people that have just retired and they're in their budgie smugglers and they're swimming like every morning. And I'm like, this yeah, is yeah. so good. They got their pink swimmers yeah. on and they got their pink caps <laughs> on. Like they have this kind of crew, but swimming yeah. is so good, man. Swinging is, mm. uh, sorry, swimming is so good because there's no impact. Like, 100%. like, like with running, um, mm. you know, maybe that uh, repetitive impact while they're running wouldn't be the best thing for them, but swimming mm. is awesome. And it's like easy on the joints. You can still get an awesome workout. It's good for their heart. They're burning Definitely. a ton of calories and they're being social as well while they're out there. And, um, yeah. I, I, and, and I want to touch on as well. You love running like your, mm. um, as we were, um, going through your transformation, which, uh, if you guys didn't see my Instagram post, Butch dropped 12 kg and like got stronger, dropped the, you know, dropped a ton of fat, built some awesome muscle, got stronger, made some awesome progress. But what he was doing also was running uh, half marathons and was there full marathons in there as well? No, no, just half and um, one 25k, which is four k over the half. Half is 20, 21. So yeah, that's long yeah. enough. <laughs> long yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's long enough but but yeah you were really pushing that which was awesome to see um because mm. especially with a lot of people when they lift weights they they kind of join this anti-cardio team so it was cool to see that you were pursuing both because it doesn't have to be one or the other it can mm. be both mm. you know you just have to kind of manage recovery and stuff um but with Definitely. running as well a lot of people in lockdown turned into runners because that was all that they had gyms were closed maybe they didn't have dumbbells or they had kids at home yeah. and there just wasn't, you know, enough space or whatever. Um, mm. But, but with running does come the impact of the knees. 
mm, quite, mm. quite a lot. What do you see and what do you kind of recommend for that? I know this can be quite broad, but I know that mm, with mm. running, especially me coaching a lot of clients, people like, oh, I'm doing a lot of running, but my knees are a bit sore. What should I do? And I kind of usually recommend them to pull back to walking or, pull, or mm, even mm. get into something like swimming or mm. maybe using the elliptical where there's less pressure on their knees or less repetition. Mm-hmm. Like what do you see and what do you usually recommend people to do? I'm curious. Yeah. Um, and, and with running, uh, obviously um, I'm going to talk more from a endurance uh, running perspective um, being, you know, being that um, it is the overuse um, injuries again, coming into effect. So your, your tendonitis and tendinopathies and another major one in, in knees. So common ones I see a lot of are um, patella, um, tendonitis, which um, if uh, just for those um, out there, um, it's the tendon on the lower part of your kneecap going to the top part of your, your shin bone. Um, uh, another common one is um, uh, the ITB, uh, the iliotibial band, which is um, still a tendon problem as well. Um, and that can, uh, you know, present as pain on the outer part of your or your knee um so those are the, the two big ones that we that we see um and again you know like any overuse injuries brock it's the it's a training man it's it's how they've loaded themselves um uh and something along the lines just um more often than not you know their training volume just um rapidly increased without them you know sometimes without them even realizing um but volume can also not not it's not just your uh, your distance it's also your frequency, you know, like I have people coming in here and going, oh, I've just been running 5K and then halfway through a session, they'll tell me, oh, you know what, I did it, you know, four times this week rather than two. And I'm <laughs> going, well, that's, that's exactly why then, you know, let's, that, let's maybe try three, you know, and stick with that for a month before going to four times a week. Um, and then also, you know, training for training terrain, you know, um, uh, if you've always run on concrete uh, and then you decide, okay, I'm just going to do a beach run, you know, that's that's a, a bit of a recipe for disaster too. So you'll um, have to sort of you know um, make them do maybe like you know a bit of running on, on grass first before um, or softer terrain before trying to you know um, get into uh, the beach running sort of thing um, and hills too, man. Like inclines and declines. You know if if all they've ever done, and that's why I really get into how um, how they're actually training and you know the kind of terrain you know they're training on are they running on flat ground versus inclines because you'll you'll be able to pick where it's sort of gone you know a little bit um uh wrong and then that's what's led to the injury and it can also be like the footwear too you know if they've got new new shoes and then they took them for a spin uh, and did 10k you know um straight off the bat um that can be also you know something that would lead to an abuse uh, injury as well um but when you are dealing with it you know say it's really angry you've got a really angry patellar like what you've just said, um, definitely, yeah, do an alternative, you know, um, because you can still use, you know, really work your heart and lungs and all that by getting on an elliptical or, um, mm. or a cross trainer or a rowing machine or whatever, swimming, uh, just so you get the cardiovascular um, uh, component going. And until we drop that level of pain down, um, which occurs when, you know, natural healing has, has happened, then we can start to load it up through running again. But yeah, um, pushing for that alternative um, for cardio. And then as we can recover, build up on that. So how did you manage your running? Because you, um, I'm not too sure if you were massively into running when we first started, 
but then pretty soon you were running half marathons. Like how did you progress it? Because it's so tempting to just to go out there and go, okay, I'm training for a half marathon. I'm going to yeah, run yeah. one or I'm going to do 10 K yeah. and then a couple of days later I'll do 20 and then I'll just yeah, do yeah. 20, you know, every single day. Because yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. Especially like running attracts certain personalities and they're very competitive. They want to beat times and I'm sure mm, your brain mm. ticks like that. So how do you, yeah. manage that competitive nature so you have yeah. adequate recovery and long-term it's it's beneficial yeah, yeah. for you and not detrimental correct um yeah i just want to start by saying yeah i have i was always into running before um i started okay. training with you um so that was always you know and i would go for like you know uh, my baseline is always twice a week um i'll do like a middle usually wednesday um uh sort of light-ish run, I guess, which is anywhere between, you know, 5 to 8K. Uh, and then I'll go and do a Sunday run, which is a little bit longer. Um, and that can be anywhere between, you know, uh, 15 and above sort of thing. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just sort of, um, I, I, in a way, I'm lucky because I sort of just followed that with my own sort of phys uh, physio knowledge. I started running in 2017. Um, and um, I just never really got, you know, injured. But mind you, my running is, you know, I, I just keep it basically flat. Um, I don't um, do too much um, inclines. Um, but, yeah, uh, so what was your question? How do I manage? Um, yeah, like, like how did you manage not to get injured and kind mm -hmm. of, you know, work your way up to doing these half marathons? Because you were still, mm. you know, now that we know, still running but mm -hmm. I'm sure you would have had a game plan like going into it. So I think if there's any runners listening, it would help for them. You know, if, if they mm -hmm. want to do a half marathon or even build up to this full marathon, mm -hmm. how, how could they like increase from where they are to get, like, is there any kind of, um, what's the word like checkpoints that they could do to get there? Mm. I think if you're, um, if you're trying to, um, say train for a half marathon um it's it's laying out um the um the length of time you want to build up for it so say for example if i committed to a half marathon today and um at this point in time i've only been doing five k's um i would say maybe like you know do it you know middle of next year you know as a as a goal um yeah. and then program that you know um through that six months on how you're going to gradually increase your mileage um mm. and um and knowing it, it pays to know the event you want to do as well or you know your overall goal you know because if it's just going to be road running there's no need to you know be running you know uh off-road and doing trail running <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> so Big just run. knowing you know that's right knowing what you want to do um and then just gradually building it up and i think uh for me, what work was building, you know, uh, I think it was like 2K every um, every two weeks or something like that. So a kilometer basically a week of um, building it up mm. um, and never getting to, uh, I actually heard this from a running coach, but you never train to the distance you're going to compete in or, um, or, or your, you know, your maximum distance um, as part of your training. You sort of go to like 20, half a marathon is 21. So I only ever, you know, would run if I'm training for one up to 18K. Yeah, so before we met each other, I was already doing that anyway, like, you know, doing the running. So um, I just set a personal goal this year to try and do five half marathons in a one that was a little extra to see if I can have the mentality to then train for a full. So my most recent one, I did a, a Gold Coast run and it was 25Ks. And yeah, it was 
pretty rough um, and I know that I have to, you know, like, again, like really lay out the plan of how I'm going to tackle um, that goal to achieve a full um, because, yeah, yeah I, I just, I just, you know, I was getting close. I could feel I was getting close to that kind of like overuse, you know, um, situation at the end there, man. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's all in the planning, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, uh, well, not a similar experience because I completely stuffed it up. But I, uh, when was this? It was maybe three years ago. I did mm. a, a Black Bones half marathon. Yeah. And I had no idea. Like, I'm not a runner, as you know. Um, I'm not yeah. the build for a runner. Actually, when I was younger, I was like a cross-country runner. Like, but this was younger, like, yeah, yeah. like maybe 10 years old because I was like a real light kind of skinny guy. But then when you get into gym, it kind of, you know, the muscle kind of starts holding yeah. you back. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was doing a half marathon, but I was like, man, I can't really be bothered training for it. Mm-hmm. So a couple of weeks mm-hmm. before it, I was like, I'll go for a 10K and then I'll just double it later. You know, and this is probably what a few people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, if you so came I, into the clinic, bro. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or I wish I had this podcast beforehand. So yeah. I, so I did a ten. I think it was a ten k run, or maybe even twelve, from Bondi. I did the Bondi to Kuji and all the way back. Oh yeah, yeah. And I did it. I didn't have running shoes either, and I just put on some shoes that I thought would be the best, and they weren't. I ran there. And I came back and my, and I stopped the next day. I was absolutely shattered. But one thing yeah. that I'd never experienced is plantar fasciitis. So underneath the bottom of yeah. my feet was absolutely hammered. So, yeah, yeah. so, so I was like, oh, you know, I'll do that 10 and then I'll keep building up, up until, but I actually couldn't run for the entire mm. three weeks up until because they were sore. Like the, like the bottoms of my feet were so sore. Uh, like sore. So I, so yeah. I couldn't even do split squats because just having yeah. my foot up like that was was, was, causing, a lot of... was causing a ton of pain so my training yeah. with legs went down my running went mm. back to zero <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so then when i did the 21 or the half marathon i was just like like they were still sore and i was trying to like roll it with a golf ball and do all this kind yeah, of stuff yeah. on the bottom of my feet but it wasn't working mm. and i absolutely like I, like I wasn't trying to break any records, but I didn't do very well with my run mm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I was just, tr- I, I was just so sore. I didn't recover. I just did like the whole shotgun approach, which most people probably do. Like, oh, I'm just going to yeah. do one run beforehand and then I'll be all good. But yeah, yeah. after, after that half marathon, it was the same thing for a couple mm-hmm. weeks. I couldn't mm-hmm. train legs or like it's, it really screws you up. Like if you don't, yeah, prepare. yeah, exactly. And a lot of, um, I, and you know, I did do a lot of my half marathons, admittedly, in succession. I think three of them were like two weeks apart. Um, wow. And when I tell patients that, they just tell me, you know, you're crazy, first of all. And secondly, they'll go, how are you not injured? But what they don't know is I have been running. You know, I have, I, I yeah. always run. Like, it's a weekly thing for me. It's not like it's an overload. I've never run past 21Ks. Um, mm. So I, like, I, just, I just know that I can, you know, like, achieve it because I had planned for it. So I think it just comes down to planning, man. And like you said, you know, for your one, you know, it was a shotgun approach. Um, um, and look, you know, that happens anyway, you know, we do it in the gym too, and then we come away with, um, you know, with an injury. So it's just, you know, how we load, bro, like how we, how we increase it over that time that's going to lead to, you know, to success rather than, you know, developing injuries and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Mate, thank, mate, thank you so much for your time. I don't want to hold you any longer. Um, All good. Uh, where can people find you, man? Like, like I love your approach. I'm sure a lot of people love your approach to 
to, you know, to physio and being hands-on and, and, and actually, to be honest, I've had a lot of potentially negative, yeah, probably negative Mm. experience with physio. And that's not to do with anything of your industry, you know, maybe, you know, as I've kind of, you know, been dealt with as a client, maybe I haven't necessarily agreed or just Mm. understood the approach that we're taking. I think that's a big one. Mm. And and I love how you touch on things and actually explaining to the client, look, you know, like use it or lose it, or, you know, we're going to mm. have to have a little bit of pain. These things I was never told when I was injured, especially when mm. I did my lower back, it was just like, mm. oh yeah, do these stretches, do these exercises and go. And I was like, well, like, when am I going to be better? Or like, why am I doing this? Or like, mm. like, like mm. I had no idea what I'm doing. So I love your, you know, explaining the science behind it and, you know, really getting close to the patient. How can people find you? and work with you if they if, if they can yeah yeah so um uh so i'm called uh the lakes physio um if you um jump on insta um and just put that on your search bar uh, no spaces or you know um or underscores or anything the lakes physio it's a blue running man logo um and it's uh for those that reside in brisbane um it's in springfield lakes um in the western uh, suburbs um and yeah, um, feel free to just shoot me um, a message about anything and uh, I'll see if I can help within obviously my, um, my capacity, you know. Um, I do wanna, you know, see people in the clinic first and do a, an assessment before um, giving out sort of, you know, mm. um, specific advice, I guess, and that kind of stuff, yeah. And what's next for you, man? Like, uh, is there anything you're working on? Do you wanna expand the practice or, you know, do you wanna uh, learn more things? Like what's, you know, what's, uh, what's coming up for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I am in the process at the moment of of, of expanding. Um, I've uh, I've got a remedial massage uh, therapist starting up very soon, um, and then I'm in the hunt for another physio because um, I'll be working out of this medical centre and um, a big gym being built actually just not far from um, from where I'm currently at. So I'll have the two um, areas uh, going, and it's. Uh, the big, uh, the first big bit of um, growth for the Lakes Physio. So, pretty exciting times ahead. Awesome, man. That's great. Well, appreciate your time, man. And uh, everyone, if you're listening, if you want to work with him uh, at the Lakes Physio, no spaces Correct. is where you no find No spaces. It. Yep. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it, man. And uh, thank you for all your help with my own um, uh, transformation, too, bro. I really appreciate it. Awesome, man. It's great.